Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. This is CNN Breaking News. I'm Chris Cuomo. Welcome to Primetime. We have some breaking news tonight on former President Clinton. We just learned he was hospitalized on Tuesday. His spokesman says he was admitted to UCI Medical Center, that's in California, Irvine, to receive treatment for a non-COVID-related infection. He's on the mend, in good spirits, and is incredibly thankful to the doctors, nurses, and staff providing him with excellent care. Uh, For more now, let's go to our chief medical correspondent, Sanjay Gupta. He is still in the hospital, we understand. Sanjay, what are we supposed to make of this? Yeah, so he went in on Tuesday, as you mentioned, uh, I've just spoken to members of his staff and, and also to his doctors. Uh, apparently, he was not feeling well uh, all day Tuesday. He was out in California for an, an event related to his foundation, was not feeling well, and was taken to the hospital, University of California, Irvine. Um, at, at that point, was tested, as you mentioned, not COVID-related and also seemingly not related to his heart. He's had heart surgery, as you know, in the past, Chris, including a heart operation in 2004 and a stent in 2010. What they think is going on with the president, the former president now, is uh, a blood infection, uh, sometimes known as sepsis. Um, This is an infection that is now being treated with IV antibiotics. And what they're saying is that he is responding well to those antibiotics. He's actually been increasingly mobile, able to get up and around, said they were, he was even joking around uh, with the hospital staff, so seems to be in good spirits. They say they're going to continue those antibiotics at least for another day. He'll remain in the hospital at least for another day, and at that point they're going to reassess. But it is possible, uh, again, just talking to his doctors just now, that he could be released from the hospital tomorrow. So there's still some, you know, some details that are coming in, but that's sort of the gist of it. Non-COVID-related, seemingly non-heart-related a blood infection, they called it, uh, often known as sepsis, but responding well to antibiotics. Um, now, sepsis is something you hear about people getting in the hospital uh, more often than they go to the hospital for it. Uh, how is that something that can occur? Well, you know, it can come from different routes in the body. Sometimes it can start as an infection elsewhere, and then that infection will spread to the bloodstream. Uh, what happens is a person's not feeling well, they'll, they'll check the blood and find if there's the presence of an infection at that point. Sometimes they'll trace the source. What the doctors have said is that he did have a episode, it was actually sepsis, meaning that uh, you know, it was clear that the infection was actually in his blood as opposed to localized in one area of the body. But that is something that's responding, again, according to his doctors, to IV antibiotics. So you treat, you, know, you put the uh, antibiotics into the bloodstream and it usually can, can be treated if it's caught early enough And from what we're hearing, it sounds like it was. So the president is in the intensive care unit. They say he's there primarily because, uh, you know, trying to give him some privacy in the hospital. Not necessarily that he's in critical condition. Uh, He's not on a breathing machine or anything like that. And they say that he could potentially get out of the hospital tomorrow. Is this one of those things where you think like he had an open wound 
you know, you know how we're always looking on our kids to see if there's a red line going up their arm or something like that? Or, is, you know, is this something that uh, could have been a viral illness that then turns into this type of infection? It could be, or it could be a bacterial infection elsewhere in the body. It could be in the urine that goes there first. It could be somewhere else in the body. Uh, but uh, this is, you know, it's not uncommon. He's 75 years old, mm-hmm. so it's not unusual to develop an infection somewhere that then might potentially uh, spread into the blood. Um, it can be a serious diagnosis. I don't want to minimize this, uh, but it does sound like he is responding well to antibiotics and he's been in a good mood. I was just talking to some members of his staff. They say that he's been on the phone with them, talking to them. The uh, former First Lady, the Secretary Clinton, was also in California. She was already there, I'm told, for the same event that the former president was going to be attending. So she is there uh, with him as well. I don't know if she's in the hospital, but she's also in Southern California. And you said, uh, just in people joining us right now, uh, former President Clinton was admitted into the hospital on Tuesday. They say it's a blood infection called sepsis. Now, sometimes you hear about people getting that in hospitals. But Sanjay has been explaining to us that it could be from an infection somewhere else in the body, made it into the bloodstream. The uh, hospital says he's doing well. Uh, And also, Sanjay, just tell the audience again in case they're joining us now, people are going to worry that this is his heart again. What have you been told? Well, I just I did speak to his doctors just now, including the uh, chief of medicine at University of California, Irvine, and his primary care physician. And that, that, those are the first questions. Was this related to his heart? Because he had a heart operation back in 2004, bypass operation. He had a stent placed in 2010. They said this is not related to his heart. They also say this is not COVID. He was tested for COVID, and he, in fact, has uh, been vaccinated and also received his booster shot. They say that this is, seems to be uh, sepsis specifically unrelated to those two things and responding uh, well to antibiotics. They, they, they call it an infection, uh, but it's an infection in the blood, mm. which is known as sepsis, because when you get an infection in the blood, that essentially means that it is systemic. And that is why it is so necessary to treat those with antibiotics aggressively, which he's receiving and sounds like he's responding. How do they know that? Well, typically people feel better, but also their fever, fever may start to decrease. Their white blood cell count, uh, which is usually an indication of infection, they said that was also trending downward as well, they said. So uh, the, the laboratory values as well as his overall sort of well-being sounds like it's going in the right direction. But he is in the ICU and he's going to be there at least another day, at which point they may uh, be able to, to put him on oral antibiotics uh, because he wouldn't be able to get out of the hospital still if he had the IV antibiotics. So uh, they're going to be making those decisions, it sounds like, over the next 24 hours or so. All right. ICU, that's always scary. But again, this is a former president. It keeps him isolated. It gives him more privacy there. Right. Um, all right. We'll stay on it. Sanjay, thank you very much. Appreciate this. Yeah. Again, former President Bill Clinton uh, was admitted into the hospital on Tuesday. He's in uh, the University of California, Irvine. He was out there in California, an event for his foundation, said he wasn't feeling well, uh, not COVID related, not heart related, as doctors tell our doctor, Sanjay Gupta. They say it is a blood infection, also known as sepsis. How did he get that? Sanjay wasn't told. Uh, he is responding well to antibiotics. They are EV, uh, IV. He is in the ICU, but he may be out of the hospital as soon as tomorrow or the next day. Obviously, any developments will bring them to you right away. All right, let's start prime time now and go to our next big story. Contempt proceedings. Now on the calendar against Steve Bannon, who, of course, is bucking the January 6th committee. Now, will this make him talk? 
or will it make him a martyr? The chair of the panel did not hold back today. Steve Bannon is, uh, and his advice from former President Trump leaves us no choice. And so the committee uh, will do what we are required to do. We're left with no other choice than to ask the Justice Department, lock him up, and hold him in contempt. Congressman Adam Schiff tweeting earlier, we're not messing around. Can they back up the talk? And if so, who wins? Look, here's the process. Uh, The House is now going to have to vote on charges. They have the numbers in the House, the Democrats. So then if they get the vote, it then goes to the DOJ and this becomes their problem. Now, the law is pretty clear. Bannon refusing to cooperate on the grounds that Trump has exercised executive privilege is bogus. A former president has no privilege. We have never seen a case of a former president exercising uh, executive privilege themselves. It has been exercised for them by current presidents, but never by a former president. That's maybe why Bannon's lawyer keeps referring to Trump as President Trump, as opposed to former President Trump, tipping his hand uh, that he would know it doesn't make any sense legally. Now, Bannon even if brought on charges of contempt, he can always plead the fifth. He can always just offer to comply at some point along the process. The question becomes, how late can he do that before it just triggers the prosecution? But what is this about? It's not about the law. It's certainly about defiance and also delay for Bannon and the others. They're hoping the committee runs out of gas or that the midterms put Trumpers back in control. And there is also the risk here that contempt charges do make Bannon a martyr to his corrosive cause. The committee is hoping Bannon gets an orange jumpsuit for his defiance. Trumpers will think twice before they refuse to comply. And why do they want them? Well, this group has to know what Trump was doing on January 6th and the days leading up to it. That is fundamental to what this committee wants to learn. Let's get some predictions here from much better legal minds. CNN legal analyst and Republican election lawyer Ben Ginsburg and former Trump White House lawyer Jim Schultz. Good to see you both, gentlemen. Uh, uh, Counselor Ginsburg, let me start with you. Uh, What do you think of the move? Well, I think uh, they've got a good cause. They'll be pounding the table a lot. The short-term chances of success are really, really small. I don't think Steve Bannon's legal case is particularly sound, but you hit the key and that's delay. And once, if the Justice Department decides to get in the game and prosecute it, there's still a long time uh, before the House committee will ever get uh, Steve Bannon's testimony. Uh, You know, in truth, Congress is just not well equipped to make things happen quickly uh, when someone doesn't want to comply. They go to the DOJ, it gets litigated. It is a protracted process. Yeah, very. I mean, the dirty little secret is, is when the founding fathers were creating the separation of powers, they didn't give Congress tools to actually enforce their contempt findings. Right. So the reality is the House doesn't. uh, People from both political parties have managed to play rope-a-dope for a long time with congressional subpoenas and contempt. And so this is the show, Chris. 
Jimmy Schultz disappeared for a second, but he's back now. I thought you tried to duck out so you didn't have to defend no this idea of executive privilege. Um, why do you, do you believe that Bannon's lawyers claim that he can't comply because uh, Trump exercised executive privilege? Do you believe that has any teeth? So the big question is, is whether that privilege carries beyond the end of the presidency after the president has left. That hasn't been tested, Chris. And, uh, you know, I didn't I didn't hear what Ben had had to say about it. But I have to say that, you know, that's a tough that's a tough argument to make. The other question is beyond whether it's the the issue of this, you know, whether this president, the current president, Biden, is the only person that can waive that privilege is whether or not someone who's outside the administration can claim that privilege as well as an advisor to the president. And that's another big question that hasn't been answered. DOJ in a memo from Paul Clement a number of years ago, Deputy Attorney General Clement, had you know, indicated that he believed that this was something that, that, that the privilege, the executive privilege, did cover folks who weren't in the administration advising the president. So there's a lot of legal issues here that are going to end up making their way through the process. You know, whether you think they're bogus, whether you know, whether I think they're bogus, the bottom line is they have a colorable claim that they're going to make and they're going to wind up in court over it when well, DOJ tries to enforce it. If DOJ seeks to enforce it. The other question is, does the Biden administration want to want to curtail their own executive powers, you know, that they may want to exercise down the road, which is also a big question that DOJ White House counsel are going to have to take into consideration. I, hold on a second. The, the, ben, the colorable claim. How? No former president has ever exercised it's never executive. Happened. No, oh, hold it's on, never hold happened. on. No, no. Not only has it never happened, it's never happened because it can't happen. The privilege goes with the office, not the person. And that's why past presidents ask current presidents to exercise the privilege. Jimmy, Ben, what do we know about this? And that's this? only happened as it Jim, relates to documents. It hasn't happened as it relates to testimony. And, 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 and I agree. This but it doesn't mean you have a colorable claim just because yeah, something this hasn't happened. New. Let's let Ben Look, get they're in. Gonna have a, they're going to have an ability to make an argument. But that's that doesn't all. mean you it get a case. Mean ben, it's go a ahead. colorable claim. Right. It does not mean it's a colorable claim. And besides, let's remember what we're talking about here. The Trump argument is going to have to be, and the Biden administration would have to sign off on this, that the official acts that are being covered by executive privilege are breaking into the Capitol and trying to stop the peaceful transfer of power by certifying the Electoral College. How that fits into the notion of what executive privilege is supposed to cover, I really don't know. I mean, look, your and better I, I argument here, the, Jimmy, isn't legal. I think, that's the, I think that's the better argument, though, if, if I'm on the other side of this and I'm, uh, I'm sitting there saying, OK, what was the privilege intended to cover? Like, so let's. He doesn't yeah, have I a agree. privilege. Let's, let's see. What was its privilege but intended even to if cover? He did. I agree with Ben in that in this instance, it's going to be very hard to argue that it's in the national interests to protect that privilege, right? But you don't to even have, you don't have a privilege power. to exercise. And there's a reason that this has only happened when former presidents have asked current ones, Jim. Right. They asked current presidents and it's traditionally been that current presidents grant that privilege. It'll be interesting to see because Biden hasn't said one way or the other on this. Jen, Jen Psaki said the, the White other House day said no. The White House said no in a press, but then they said we're going to take it on a case by case basis. Yeah, and this is the first case, and they said no. 
Come on, Jimmy. The proof of the pudding, Chris, is going to be whether Merrick Garland and the Justice Department sort of get off the bench and get into the game. Right. right. I I, I totally agree with that. It's really going to be up to DOJ on this. Yeah. hundred percent. Look, it is, which is why Congress couldn't wait to get it to them. That's why they're going to have their vote. But, Jimmy, the only reason that this doesn't go bad is because the optics are bad. When you started mentioning Biden, I thought you were going to say, does Biden really want to make Bannon a martyr? Um, does he really want to have this guy sitting out there as someone who seems like he was unfairly punished? Although I don't think that's true under the facts. Anyway, gentlemen, I got to jump. I appreciate it. Ben, thank you very much. Jimmy, appreciate you. Thank you for not running away when your picture went out. I know you had second thoughts. No, I'm kidding. Thank you very (laughs) much both. All right. Look, we're going to keep an eye on tonight's breaking news. I don't know if you watched at the top of the show, but we have learned uh, that former President Bill Clinton was hospitalized Tuesday. He's still in the hospital now, not about his heart, does not sound serious, according to what Sanjay Gupta learned from his doctors. They believe it's a blood infection. You know, it's it's not nothing. Okay, it's not covid related, um, but somehow he got sepsis. Now, you hear about people getting that in hospitals. Uh, He did not get it in the hospital, but he was brought to the hospital for it. It means he had an infection somewhere else in his body and it got into his blood and it requires IV antibiotics on antibiotics that the doctors say he's responding well to. All right. And we'll stay on that. If we learn anything else, I'll come right to you. All right. Now, um, January 6th, don't get caught thinking that that is just about the past. January 6th is also very much a concern because of what is still going on. Have you heard the story behind this flag that has become a rallying symbol on the right? Wait until you see where our flag was displayed and why that flag, not the American flag, that specific American flag was chosen. And it's about Trump, but he may now be an enemy to both parties. Why? This guy will answer. Philip Bump, Washington Post, next. President Joe Biden won Virginia by more than 10 points. But now supporters of the Republican candidate for governor there are pledging allegiance to a flag that was flown at Trump's rally in D.C. on January 6th. I also want to invite Kim from Chesapeake. She's carrying an American flag that was carried at the peaceful rally with Donald J. Trump on January 6th. I ask you all, I ask you all to rise and join us as Mark Lloyd leads us in the pledge. How do you smile and applaud somebody telling you that this was part of the Capitol insurrection? And then you want to hear the Pledge of Allegiance. What is the Pledge of Allegiance? What is the Pledge of Allegiance to you if you applaud what happened on January 6th? I mean, is, is anybody thinking anymore when they take these kinds of positions to support this kind of ugliness? Now, the GOP candidate that that event was for, Glenn Youngkin, he wasn't at the rally. It was on his behalf. And he is calling what happened there weird and wrong. So to be clear, I, I don't think if, if, if that I, I wasn't involved and so I don't know. But if that is the case, then then we shouldn't pledge allegiance to that flag. And, and oh, by the way, I've been so clear. There is no place for violence. None. None in America today. We have our right to assemble and protest protected. 
in this great country and in this great commonwealth. But there is no room for violence. Oh, there's plenty of room for violence. There's plenty. And it's because of accommodation that is made by people in his party. That's why we had January 6th, when too many of them were too quiet about the Capitol attack. And you know who was just fine with the attack and the flag ceremony? Trump, who called into the rally and, of course, revved up the crowd. And Young can can say, look, I wasn't there, I wasn't there. It's a rally for you, and you accepted Trump's endorsement. Can he have it both ways? Let's discuss with Philip Bump. What did you think of that? I mean, it's definitely odd, right? I mean, you know, it is strange to have a particular flag that is associated with that day that is the one that is being the center of, you know, the Pledge of Allegiance, which is, you know, to the flag, but obviously more broadly about the United States. But it really exemplifies how Donald Trump is trying to turn the Republican Party not only into something which he has control over, but something which is really focused on his core desires and, you know, fetishizes things like January 6th and his his false claims of election fraud. He really wants it to be centered on him and that event and that, that, that pledge to that flag was a way of manifesting exactly that behavior. So... What does it tell us? He wins. Biden wins Virginia. You got McAuliffe in there in a tough race with Youngkin. Uh, McAuliffe expected right now uh, as likely as not to win. Uh, But that this is the avenue for the Republican cause. What does it mean? Well, I think it, it is a reinforcement of the fact that the Republican Party is really torn in half. I, I mean, I say that, I, I use that expression. Obviously, the, the, the tear has, has, some, has some stitches and threads holding it together. Uh, but there are two different parties. There is the party that Glenn Youngkin wants to uh, be the face of as he's campaigning in Virginia. He wants to be the, you know, I'm the, I'm the, the moderate, regular old Virginia Republican that you're used to from, from you know, years gone by. But at the same time, he has to turn out Donald Trump's base of support. He has to do things like quietly go on Seb Gorka's radio program and, you know, sort of kiss up to the more MAGA-y side of the Republican Party. He's tried very hard to walk that line. Mm. I'm sure he's very frustrated by the fact this event happened yesterday because it really forces him to pick a side. He can't just quietly, you know, reach out to the MAGA folks while at the same time trying to appeal to mainstream Republicans and moderates. It just you can't do that. At some point, that tension actually breaks. And that broadly is the tension the party is facing with the key question of will Trump's people come out and vote for Republicans anyway, which I think is the real test in Virginia. Absolutely. And that is a great place to end for now, because we'll end on this suggestion. Donald Trump has been telling people now this may have hurt him in his last election. He's saying if they don't fix that fraud from 2020, you shouldn't vote. Is that party going to get hoisted on his petard. We will see. Philip Bump, thank you very much. I'll check with you again soon. How do we get to a better place? It's all so ugly. How do we travel beyond the ugliness? How do we find a new frontier? I know who we need. The captain who just did exactly that. Shatner is here to tell us why going into space helped him really get what life is about on Earth. There he is, next. William Shatner, back on Earth after hitching a ride aboard Blue Origin, the rocket company owned by Jeff Bezos. This is the moment that the Star Trek legend, the original Captain Kirk, 
experienced zero gravity after setting a new record as the oldest person in space at 90 years young. And it is what he said when he came back down that made me want to invite him on the show. Listen to this. What you have given me is the most profound experience I can imagine. I'm so filled with emotion about what just happened. I, I just, it's extraordinary, extraordinary. This is life and that's that. And it's in, in an instant, you go, wow, that's death. That's what I saw. That's amazing. That's amazing. I am, I am overwhelmed. All these years as an actor and maybe his most powerful moment on screen came when he wasn't acting <laughs> at all. William Shatner joins us on Primetime. Congratulations, and it's good to have you. Thank you. I watch you all the time. You're a wonderful, wonderful commentator. And it's a joy to hear you, and I'm so glad to be on your program. You know, you're perforce you need to talk about the dark things that are happening, the dramatic things that can affect us all. Here I am. Uh, adding, actually adding to your darkness. I wish I could bring a message of lightness to leaven the the terrible news you keep uh, uh, announcing because it is terrible news, uh, the, the way the country is being torn asunder. And, and there's another even more important fact that, uh, that moved me to tears. Because when I saw the bright blue covering of Earth that's only 50 miles wide and we plunged through to 2,500 miles an hour, broke through it, and then all of a sudden, like a punch in the face, there was the blackness of space. And none of the mystery of the twinkling stars, the galaxies, just pure blackness, because the sun was in my face and the window, and whatever the reasons were, space is cold and, and ominous and ugly, and it really threatens death. There's death there. And you look down... And there's this warm, nurturing planet. We've all heard it's cliche now, vulnerable, and fragile, and all that kind of thing. But it's even more than that. That's death up there and life down here. And between the two, ruining this planet as we are, we're on the verge <laughs> to bring you the good news that we're at the tipping point. We haven't got time to wait 30 years and and argue about a few billion dollars, which, which we should, uh, what, how much should we invest in, in global warming? We're there. And so all these terrible things happening in the body politic is merely a hesitation before we all, I mean, it's just terrible. And I wish I had better news and more entertainment and jokes to tell you. But I was moved to tears by what I saw and I come back filled with, overwhelmed by sadness and empathy for this beautiful thing we call Earth. But I think that there is a promise in the truth of that for you, which I think, you know, it, it lets people know what really matters. Uh, and that once you're up above it all, literally, and it, you know, one of the members of my team found something uh, that is so cool to me because it's from Star Trek. And it's something that you were saying as a line as an actor. And I want to ask you what the line means to you now that you've actually lived it. I'll play it for everybody. You'll remember the scene when you see it. You know the greatest danger facing us is ourselves. 
an irrational fear of the unknown. But there's no such thing as the unknown. Only things temporarily hidden, temporarily not understood. All decks, stand by. Captain out. We are the enemy. There is no unknown. Only what is not understood in the moment. What does that line mean to you now? Well, you know, all these things are true and they're not true. The cliches are not cliches. What is true is this. It is the human tendency, and no matter whether it's your personal life, your business life, your love life, if it's not going going well, it's better. You know, I won't I won't talk. I won't. Uh, I'll just I won't come home, or I'll I'll be quiet, or I won't say anything. It's so much easier. Burying your head in the sand another instant about global warming and the destruction of the planet is suicide for all of us. And you know, I'm ready to. Not ready to go, but I've I've experienced the earth a lot longer than most people. What is tragic is if our children, especially our children's children, don't have a chance to be part of this beautiful thing we call earth. And and it's just uh, sad. So it it doesn't leaven the uh, terrible things that are happening in Washington and the stupidity of the human beings who put themselves first and not mankind, let alone their country. It is irrational. Are you surprised by how impacted you were? Flabbergasted. I, 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 I was sobbing and I couldn't control it because I was overwhelmed. It was like a death in a life. It was, I couldn't control it for several minutes afterwards. And although I've been speaking about it today because everybody's interested, it apparently went went um, uh, uh, hit the news all viral all over the world. I wrote a song in my album that I've got out now called Bill, which is so far from the moon when I was at my depth of a loss and everything. And uh, I'm sure I just walked on the moon. And I was literally and figuratively so far from the moon. Brad Paisley accompanies me on it. And the irony of me going closer to the moon and having this kind of success is ironic because things are falling apart. And I want, and, and that's why I was overwhelmed. I wanted to, I, I didn't think consciously of bringing back the message, but I was wondering what, why am I crying? What is, what is, what is overwhelming me with emotion to the point that I could hardly speak? I'm an actor. I should have been able to control it. I was unable to. I, it was like hearing the death of someone you love and suddenly the world no longer exists but this blinding emotional moment. Well, look, I wouldn't shy away from it because I think the authenticity of it is what is so impressive to so many. You mentioned the song in the new album. You mind if I play a little bit of it? No, please. Here you go. The Apollo mission took off. The planet watched enthroned. But man's greatest achievement made this man feel so small. I stared up at the sky, stars like little pins. Armstrong took a giant leap while I fell down the again. It was four in the morning, dawn was coming through, but I was bound by gravity. What a very cool multimedia presentation that is, by the way. I mean, the you. whole album, the whole album is like that, and Brad Paisley, among many other wonderful musicians, are part of that album. 
and it's getting great reviews. But what I bring back from all that is we have to work and we have to work quickly at this. We have to unite among many things that we have to unite on. It's all just human beings. I, 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 I don't understand the inability to see what's coming our way and how we have to stand up to it with everything that this incredibly strong country has and we can lead and we can provide. And Bezos' philosophy of getting rid of the polluting industries up there is a very practical one. The technology exists now, but we have to do something about global warming now before we all are affected by it. Well, I'll tell you this, Captain. I don't think the gift was the trip. I think the gift is what you brought back um, because you have a conviction about what matters and why that even with your time on earth, I'm sure has never been equaled as it is in your head and your heart right now. William Shatner, uh, I'm not just a fan of your work. I'm a fan of what you've been able to make people think about uh, in your real life. And I wish you good luck with your new album, Bill. Thank you for joining us, sir. Thank you for having me. All right, we'll take a break. When we come back, breaking news on our watch. Former President Bill Clinton, 75 years old, in the hospital tonight. We have more information. Sanjay is here, and we'll give you the update right after this. If you're just tuning in, we have breaking news tonight on former President Clinton. We've learned on our watch that he is in the hospital in Orange County, California. He has been there since Tuesday, um, but things seem okay. Uh, This is about a urinary tract infection. However, that infection spread to his bloodstream, a condition known as sepsis. Now, Sanjay is told by his doctors and staff that things seem to be going well at this point. A spokesman says he is on the mend, but here's more. President Clinton was taken to UC Irvine Medical Center, diagnosed with an infection. He was admitted to the ICU for close monitoring and administered IV antibiotics and fluids. He remains at the hospital for continuous monitoring. After two days of treatment, his white blood cell count is trending down and he is responding well to antibiotics. The California-based medical team has been in constant communication with the president's New York-based medical team, including his cardiologist. We hope to have him go home soon. Let's check with Dr. Sanjay Gupta right now. You guessed right. When we were speaking at the top of the show, uh, you said these usually originate somewhere else, um, maybe in the kidneys or urinary tract. And sure enough, that's what they say it is. So what does it mean? Yes. So it sounds like uh, this was a, a urinary tract infection. Uh, that became something known as urosepsis. Uh, as you point out, Chris, it, it, sp- it spread this urinary, tr- urinary tract infection to his bloodstream. Um, he wasn't feeling well on Tuesday. He was out in California for a foundation-related event. Uh, fatigued is what I was told. That was, it was sort of vague symptoms. He went to the hospital, UC Irvine, um, got tested for covid Uh, as everyone does when they go to the hospital nowadays, not COVID. They also determined that it was not related to his heart. And then they started zeroing in on the fact that he had infection in his blood. And as you point out, uh, his doctor is now saying that the uh, infection originated in his urinary tract. 
they say he's responding well to these antibiotics. Uh, they say that he's feeling better, but also that his fever and his white blood cell count, a marker of infection, uh, are also going in the right direction, that he might even leave the hospital uh, tomorrow. Spoke to Dr. Lisa Bardak, who's his physician, primary physician in New York, and Dr. Alpa Shamin, who is the chief of medicine at UC Irvine. And they said, you know, he's in the ICU, but it's primarily for uh, safety and privacy uh, more than anything else, not, not sort of an indication of the level of care necessary. He's not on a breathing machine. He is getting these IV antibiotics. If, if it sounds like, Chris, what, what they've told me, if things continue to, to go in the right direction, possibly leaving tomorrow and staying on oral antibiotics for a period of time. should also point out the former secretary, uh, Hillary Clinton, his wife, is also in Southern California. She was there already. Uh, she didn't fly out because of his illness. She was already there and uh, it, you know, may, have, may be in and out of the hospital, depending on, on COVID protocols. So that's the news as we know it right now. I had conversation with the staff Chris, but also the, his doctors, as I mentioned, and that's sort of how they're laying things out. They, they, they think he's doing okay. He was joking around, apparently, with the staff, complaining about the hospital food. They were telling me these anecdotes is a little bit of color just to give you a sense of how he's feeling overall, Chris. Well, look, it's indicative, obviously, because it's a little spooky uh, that he's been in there for several days. Uh, people aren't that familiar with a blood infection, but they do take a time to treat in anybody, let alone a 75-year-old. Uh, but really... Does anything worry you at all about this, or do you think it all sounds like this is the way it goes? Well, you know, first when I heard, they, they, I was first talking to them, and you described sepsis in a 75-year-old, I was worried, and I, and I really wanted to speak to his doctors, which they allowed us to do. So uh, when I spoke to them and, and definitively said, look, you know, he's had heart surgery back in 2004, stents in 2010, any relationship here? And they said, they said no, definitely not related to his heart. Good. Obviously, you know, you hear about COVID and you think, is this something that has gotten worse, pneumonia that has uh, turned into sepsis? They say no, this is not at all related to COVID. So uh, people are going to worry about sepsis when they hear that term. That's why I want to give you the context. Uh, it sounds like it was caught pretty early. Sometimes with urinary tract infections, they're caught late and people can have significant uh, spread to the bloodstream before it's really caught. Uh, it sounds like in his case, they got there early enough uh, and, and uh, he's responding to these antibiotics. You always got to be cautious. Uh, you know, he's, he's 75. It's not that old, but, you know, you got to be cautious. They may keep him in the hospital another day, maybe even longer. Uh, but that wouldn't necessarily indicate a higher level of concern, just making sure he's getting enough of the anti IV antibiotics. So overall, we pressed him on this, but it sounds like he's, he's, he's on the mend. And that was their language, on the mend. Dr. Sanjay Gupta, thank you very much. Appreciate you. We'll be right back. You got it. A quick bolo, be on the lookout about the supply chain situation. You know, fair is a four-letter word in capitalism. People only get paid as much as the market will bear. It's not about fair. Well, the market has changed, and there may be collective will for a better standard. And in the midst of the supply chain breakdown, labor has the leverage. There are 10.4 million unfilled jobs in this country. That shortage of workers creates something workers have not had for a long time, leverage. And this is what leverage looks like, what's being called striketober. Workers on strike among stagnant pay and record profits. More than 10,000 John Deere workers are now on strike. From Hollywood to hospitals, more than 100,000 workers are preparing to picket. Thousands more already are. Unions making a comeback. 
As of last year, the rate of unionized workers was half of what it was in 1983. But now, public support at a 60-year high, even among Republicans. Why? Because right and left is reasonable when it comes to pay. They want better pay and something new. The pandemic is another reason for this. COVID may have caused a reevaluation of the status quo. John Deere proves the point. Made big labor cuts during the pandemic. Those who stayed were hailed as heroes for keeping this American icon moving. How'd they treat the heroes? Demand for equipment was up. They managed it. They handled it. Profits are up 60 plus percent. The CEO's salary went up 160 percent during the worst of the pandemic when the workers were let go. And yet the latest offer from the company is for an extra buck 20 an hour. That's not 60 percent. That was seen as more of an insult than an offer. And now as the economy is desperate for makers and doers of all kinds, workers seem poised to push back for a better deal. Now, companies may argue this isn't fair, but remember, it's not about fair. It's about what the market will bear. We'll be right back with the handoff. All right, if you're looking at your phones and you saw an alert that President Clinton is in the hospital, he is, um, but they say it's a urinary tract infection. It turned into a blood infection. They're treating it with IV antibiotics. They're optimistic about it, but he is still in there and he's in the ICU. They say mainly uh, to keep him in a private setting and keep him monitored, give him a higher level of care. uh, And they're hoping he gets out soon. So with that, let's go for more coverage to Don Lemon tonight with its big star, D. Lemon. And we're going to update you on that situation. So I'm going to let you go. I'll see you soon. Love you. Have a good evening, sir. Thank you you very much. Good night. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, host of the Chasing Life podcast. In honor of our 10th season, we want to hear from you. Leave us a message at 470-396-0832 and tell us how you chase life. It could be used on an upcoming episode.